Hello and welcome to another episode of the Average to Athletic Podcast. I am your host, Graham, and once again, we're going to talk about some of the things that make humans special in terms of our athletic capacity. Today, we're getting into breathing and breath work, and I have a very big, very special treat for you, someone from down under Jordan Potts, who you will soon become very acquainted with. He's an incredible guy, a great coach, and a wonderful mind when it comes to exploring the body, exploring the uh, Everything from business to breathing to the basics of human fun function and uh, athletic capacity. So we talk a lot about breathing and how you're probably breathing wrong and what you can do to fix that, why it's important, why it matters, and then you know everything in between that. So I'm excited for this and I'm excited to share this guy with you. So you know, as you listen to this, uh, keep in mind that he is a coach. He can work with you and he is incredible at what he does. So he'll be doing some online work as well. So I'll put some links to how you can reach out to him in the show notes below this. But as always, if you got value from this, please share, like, subscribe, comment, whatever else you're supposed to do. It makes me happy and it means a lot to me. So thank you. Enjoy and have fun. Well, here we are, another episode of the podcast, and I've got a, a legend for you. It's Jordan Potts, as it goes by Potsy, down from south of the equator in Australia. And for those of you who don't know, again, I've got a few friends down there, and this is an island that floats in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, so if you have trouble understanding his accent, I'll try to get some subtitles on this at some point. But in general, he's agreed to not use inflammatory terms like uh, gumboot or things that are otherwise difficult for <laughs> Americans to understand. So, um, but Jordan is a, is a good friend. I've been spending some time with him via zoom for the last year and a mastermind. And this guy is a, he's a gym owner. He's a fantastic coach and he's done a lot of work with breath work, cold exposure. And so we're going to get deep into that today and talk about how you can take these skills and apply them for your own performance and mindset, mind flex. And, uh, we'll, we'll explain what mind flex is and, so we'll, we'll go from there. But before I get too far in my rambling, Jordan, uh, tell the uh, the Twitter summary of your life and kind of, you know, what uh, what has dragged you into getting into cold exposure and ice baths and stuff like that. <laughs> Did you call it the Twitter summary? Well, I mean, it's what, 240 characters, but I, that might not do it. Um, I like that. A little bit better. <laughs> now, first of all, thanks for having me on, brother. I do appreciate you reaching out to me. I love sharing my message because I know it, can resonate with and land with some you know, young people out there who are maybe looking up to us and, and also middle-aged people who are questioning how to do things a bit differently. So a bit of a background around me. I grew up, I was very athletic as a kid, a super sporty, played every sport under the sun and always going, I always go, 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 full of energy. My parents, friends called me, you know, just a stellar, I was like a loo little superhero I used to run around with a cape on my neck and then when I got old enough it was all, it was all in my head and yeah had an awesome childhood man my childhood was just filled with love and energy and fun and so much joy and when I was 11 my parents broke up they, they decided to split and it really it really rocked me to my core, I, I, I had this image of what our perfect family looked like and felt like. And when I found out that my parents were splitting up, my whole world just cracked. And I really felt unstable in my own, my own presence. Like I felt really emotionally rocked. I was angry. I was really quite sad and frustrated that the, the world had basically created this reality for me that I didn't ask for. 
And so navigating that as an 11-year-old boy was pretty interesting. I was playing football, so basically NR or rugby league, which is kind of like the variation of NFL, I guess, like gridiron. And being a young, angry boy, I went a little bit too hard <laughs> trying to hurt people. So I would spend the whole time on the field trying to just damage other people really badly. Like I had all so much anger in my body. And being a little bit out of control with that and not being too technical, I started to pick up a lot of injuries and I came off second best a lot of the time. And so I took a couple of injuries over the first two years to really start shaking my mind up. And I started to become, I started to lose confidence in my body and my ability because I just felt like I was breaking all the time. And then that just manifested into more injuries and more self-doubt and more anger and more frustration and more sadness. And I just was on this like tumbleweed of emotions, just growing, growing, growing. And over across six years, so between 11 and 16, I picked up seven or it was about, yeah, it was about seven really traumatic injuries. So I broke both collarbones. I snapped my cruciate ligament in my ankle. I snapped my ACL in my knee. I broke fingers. I cracked my cheekbone. Just like all these things, right? You're just you're like, what is going on? You know, dislocated shoulder. I dislocated my shoulder twice out of the socket. So it's like just this endless list of injuries that were happening. And it was really interesting because I didn't want to be that kind of person. I grew up being this energetic, strong, robust little little dude running around and then all of a sudden I was emotionally erect I was physically erect I was mentally wrecked and I felt really really unstable I didn't didn't know how to navigate life and so I chose when I first when I last injured myself with the ACL I fully ruptured my ACL when I was 16 had to have nine months off on a recovery put on about 30 kilos because I was just sitting at home, gaming, eating chips, drinking Coca-Cola, like just horrible diet and put on a heap of weight. Never, never before in my life had I been overweight. And then next thing I had like man tits and, <laughs> you know, big belly and stuff. So my confidence you now my self-esteem was really low. Yeah, I got to this point where I was really depressed and also had really bad skin, like acne because of the, obviously the stuff that I was eating was, really horrible and my skin was reacting to that and my parents put me on or doctor put me on Roaccutane which is a um, a drug to a medical intervention to dry your skin out and so I, I did dry that same thing too I remember that nosebleeds dry skin is the worst and yeah just you know and the worst thing is in young boys there's suicidal tendencies as a side effect and so it creates massive depressive states and and large like suicidal tendencies and traits and so I found myself at 16 30 kilos overweight busted body busted mind <laughs> busted confidence I was started to think suicidal I, I remember laying in bed thinking you know I was playing a lot of call of duty at the time I was thinking like I would love to just be a soldier and just fucking go for it and see if I you know if I get shot up it doesn't matter you know I was like starting to think like that and it was very strange to have those thoughts going through my head and yeah, my, my physio passed me to start running with my knee again. So I decided to just do what I knew best and start running. I lost all, dropped all the weight. 
And then because I dropped all the weight, I thought, oh, I can do this as a job. I can teach people how to lose weight. <laughs> and I've done it. So I went and got my Cert 3 and 4 in fitness, my certificates, and started training people with very poor level of knowledge. The certificates are really, really poor. You can, like it's just, it's horrible to think that you can train another body or another human with that level of knowledge. <laughs> so yeah, started doing that and had no idea about eating healthy, no idea about how to breathe properly, no idea about mindset or mind flex and no, no idea about how to actually address the body as a whole, like in a holistic way, instead of just flogging people like a dead horse and trying to really make them work hard to lose the weight. And so, you know, I followed this trend for years. The first probably five years of my career was burpees, thousand sit-ups, squat jumps, push-ups, no form, no technique, just work as hard as you can. And it was really challenging. And at that point, I had got to got a bit mixed up in drinking alcohol with my friends being young and so I started partying a lot and then there was this, always this sense of I want more like I want more of this feeling because it's all of this emotional stuff that's going on in my mind I can get rid of it when I drink alcohol that was what I, that's how I was thinking and so I started taking drugs like party drugs with my friends and then each time you take a bud party drug you want to go a bit deeper and, and get a, a better experience so you start trying them with other stuff and yeah, I found myself at the end of a, a six year bender, six years of just partying every weekend, teaching people to be fit and healthy in the week and then being an absolute clown on the weekend, running amok and getting off my head and intoxicated. And I got to the point where I was really, really ill. Like my, my mental health was really quite poor and I was using drugs and alcohol to escape what I was feeling in the week and then create a new world on the weekend, which was full of fun and joy and, you know, excitement. And so that really led me to a point where I was very, very depleted in my emotional health. I was really sick in my own head. I was broke as, I was so broke, man. I was using like credit card. I, had, I was deep in debt. I wasn't healthy. I had joint pain, had muscle pain, all of these things going on. And yet I was calling myself a coach, <laughs> a, a fitness professional. And yeah, we went to a three-day festival when I was 23. And I remember just taking so many drugs the first day that the rest of it was just a blur. You know, it was a three-day sleep in, in, sleep in a tent at night festival. So we stayed there. And on the second day, I was so off my head on drugs. I climbed a 10-meter tree in the rain, jumping from branch to branch. And I hit this branch and it broke and I just pinballed my way down this tree, landed on the ground, went into an epileptic fit, started convulsing, had a seizure. Anyway, I got rushed to hospital, induced into a, a coma. So they thought I might have bleeding on my brain and I might have spinal damage and all this stuff that has gone on. So they put me, they induced me into a coma and I woke up three days later. I was looking at my father and my, my dad just looked at me and said, you're right, what's, what's going on, buddy? Like, good to see you're alive, but you know, obviously, obviously there's something going on. And I knew in that moment that I had been living 
my life not to my best. You know, I'd been doing things that weren't serving me and I'd been doing, I'd been following a, a path that I didn't actually visualize my life turning out to be like. And so right in that moment, I chose that I was going to start making changes. I, I made a decision that I'm actually going to live my life for the rest of my days, serving myself best, making myself the best version of myself. And I'm seeing how that has a ripple effect in my life. And so that was really the tipping point for me coming from a world of depression and suicidal tendencies and drugs and alcohol and, you know, just horrible behavior and, and self-abuse and self-sabotage to then step into this space where I, I chose and I didn't feel my potential, but I chose to learn about my potential, my potential. I chose to start really using my energy for good. And that was a really, really tangible change in my life that I felt right in that moment. And, and ever since then, it's just been completely different trajectory. That's powerful. A question I always have when I listen to a story like that. Is there anything you think you could go back and tell? Because I always think about like just how stupid I was when I was in, you know, you get stubborn and you think you know everything when you're in like middle school, high school, you know, teens, early 20s. Is there anything you think you could have told yourself at that point? Or is it more of like you had to learn from being rock bottom? Yeah, I've pondered on this a fair bit because there's the there's a theory that you need to hit rock bottom, right? To, to really make the decision. And I would like to think that we can actually show people and teach people resilience and strength and potential and just a, a new vision for their, their future without them hitting rock bottom. And this is where, for me, having the right tools, having the right environment, having a better systemized approach to actually learning about yourself gives you that platform to start stepping up and leveling up in your life without having to go right to the depth. Now it's important to, I believe it's important to recognize your weaknesses and really look into what, into your shadow, what scares you about yourself, you know, the, the parts of yourself that you don't like, your insecurities, the behaviors, you know, your habits, the bad habits that you don't, that don't serve you. It's really important to look at them, but I don't believe it's, it's necessary to really risk our lives and risk going into that state of full destruction to then rebuild. And so this is where for me, I now work with youth in from anywhere from 11 through to 18 and by simply showing them how to breathe better and how to do things like an ice bath actually gives them that opportunity to learn about themselves and learn about their resilience that they have within, within them and learn about their control over their emotions, how to also release emotions, and then how to also rebuild their mind for whatever it is they want. I really think that a lot of young people, the temptation in the environment is just too large for them not to drink alcohol is too great for them not to try drugs because it's just what everyone's doing. 
it's not, it's not, they're not actively choosing to harm themselves. And I never actively chose to destroy my mental health. It was a repercussion of my environment and the choices I was making because everyone else was doing, everyone else is drinking alcohol. Everyone else is trying these drugs. Everyone else is partying every weekend. Why, why should I do any different? So it really was, it was my environment. And then, so this is, you know, like the largest passion about my, my business and, and how I serve others is create an environment where kids get a chance to do breath work. Kids get a chance to become strong. They become to learn. They, they get a chance to learn about their minds. They get a chance to do ice baths and actually learn what stress really feels like that stressful moment, you know, but then also in that stressful moment, be able to fully calm their breath, fully calm their mind and drop into like this state of composure in a stressful moment or situation and that for me i don't know whether it's going to change these kids ever i don't know whether it's going to change them in the moment i don't know if it's going to change them in five years when they're 20 and someone offers them a situation or there's a stressful moment and they they stay really calm i'm not sure of my actions and how, how they will actually serve others but i believe that providing kids a different environment will help them step into better choices or not even better or worse, just just different choices. That's powerful. So now the, the question comes to my mind is obviously, how on earth do you get a teenager to care about breathing? Like this is something with grown adults, I struggle to get them to be like, hey, stop mouth breathing, breathe through your nose, it helps. And do you, do you find that some kids pick up, but other kids it's not until they get into that cold exposure, the ice bath, that they really start to take it seriously. And they're like, oh, okay, I see what this, this you know, they, they, they kind of understand that they control that. Like, how, how do you introduce that whole topic of breath or, you know, for, for young kids, basically? Just tell them to stop breathing. To stop breathing, just to sit there and hold their breath and then see what happens. That's powerful. Okay. Just say, just, just ask them, say, if you don't think breathing is important, just stop breathing. Okay. So then they hold their breath for about 10 seconds and they go, Oh, I can feel my heart racing. So then what do you, what do you, how, how do you progress that conversation next? I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. But what, you know, I, yeah, I get to breathe, but what's next? How do you progress that? Well, for kids, kids are very materialistic. Obviously they're growing up in a world that focuses on status and cars and toys and money. And so I, I usually like to use the, what's like a really, really uh, poor car, or like a really low performing car in the States? A Toyota Camry. Okay. All right. So what we're going to talk about now. Or no, not a Camry, a Corolla. That would be, I'm sorry, that's the lowest, a Toyota Corolla. All right. So we're going to say, right, hold your breath. How long, how long can you hold your breath for? Kids might last 30 seconds maybe 40, 45 seconds, maybe the odd kid will get to a minute. So that's cool. So you've got a, a Toyota Camry or Corolla for lungs. All right. What we want to get is a Lamborghini for lungs. All right. The, 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 the way your lungs function or the, 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 I guess the quality of your lungs will dictate how fast you can go in life how well you can drive and, and perform in life. It might be sport or it might be an exam. It might be, you know, in a fight. It might be who knows when this stressful environment pops up. You want to have a, a Lamborghini in your chest. You want, you want Lamborghini lungs. 
and you want to be able to rev them up and you want to be able to use that fuel in your body. If you've got a toe to a camera <laughs> and you're just putting along, <laughs> that's not going to be any fun. And you know, you can use that also an analogy physically is like, right, sprint as fast as you can and see how well you can recover. You know, you can see the recovery between someone who's fit, who has great, greater breathing mechanics and someone who's unfit. They got Corolla lungs versus Lamborghini lungs. And usually the person with Lamborghini lungs is going to outperform every time, you know, 90% of the time. Unless we'll leave you know, that for the second, third, fourth rep, you'll, you'll see that. Yeah. And so that's, that's a really easy way for us to, to dictate. And there's lots of different tests that we do to give kids feedback. So like there's the bolt test, which is your CO2 tolerant. Well, walk, tolerant. walk through that one. It's explain that one. Cause anyone's listening can do this unless you're driving a car, in which case don't pass out, but yeah. Yeah. So if you're not in a, the right environment to, to stay calm, don't, don't try breathing in a pool, driving a car, <laughs> whatever it is, riding your bike. So the bolt test is where you breathe in normally and out normally. And then you hold your lips closed and you block your nose. And when you do this, what we've done is we've shut off all the valves in the body so that the carbon dioxide can't creep out. And so what happens is you feel the carbon dioxide start to build up in the body because the oxygen that you've got in your cells is starting to burn off and there's a transfer then into carbon dioxide levels. And so you'll start to feel this stress level creep up. Maybe it's tension in your chest. Maybe it's tension in your throat. You might even feel a bit stressed in your mind, like you need to breathe. And our tolerance to this breath work or this, this level of chemistry in our blood dictates how well our body responds to stress. Did you feel that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with kids, kids need tangible results. They need, they need to experience things. that It's very hard for kids to understand logic. And even youth, right? If you want to get through to the youth, just have, have experienced something. Even with adults, man, every human being, given them experience, they're going to learn much more than, than theory. And so when people feel that, that level of stress in their bodies, that's where we can leverage our education. Say, so, okay, that moment where you felt stressed, if you live in that state, you're going to make poor, worse decisions. You're not going to make optimal decisions. So if you can build your tolerance to stress, if you can become more tolerant to carbon dioxide and, and the effects that it has on your mind and also the effects it has on your body, you're going to make more optimal decisions in stressful situations. You're not going to feel as affected as someone else or as you were previously in the past. And so by doing these certain breathwork techniques, we build our capacity to handle stress and we build our ability to perform under stress at a, at a higher level. And so what I just say to the kids, you know, if, if you want to feel stressed more, if you want to feel like really in, incapable or incapable of performing when things are stressful, then don't breathe. It's simple. Your carbon dioxide will go up. You'll get really stressed in your body. Your mind will feel tense. But if we do this breath work, we start to build your capacity. You'll find in those moments where you're feeling really stressed or you're, there's something that's threatening you, you'll be able to keep calm, make a better decision, step into your power, step into confidence because you're confident in yourself to handle it. 
Now, I, I won't say it, so, but the idea, um, it would seem like anything that is impeding your ability to breathe would lead to a higher level of anxiety or, or negative nervous, central nervous system state. Is that sound, is that like, have you, because I've had several kids that I know that are going to school and they report to having to wear a mask all the time and then they feel anxious. Like, is there any correlation there? Like, have you, I don't know if they, what they do in Australia, you crazy wild people down there, but is that something that like is people should be mindful of in terms of anything that impedes your breath or is that just something that you need to be mindful of more so and you can still get around it? Just reframe that question a little bit. I don't understand the impede bit. Is that, so what obstruction are you talking about? Like, all right, so we're in the middle of a pandemic and everyone's wearing masks and it's not uncommon for me to hear from a kid that's in high school or that has to sit and wear a mask all day that they have higher levels of anxiety or that they're having trouble breathing. How, how does one get around that? Because like, it sounds like from what you're saying that if you're not breathing well, you can end up in a higher state of anxiousness and nervousness and, you know, feeling like that, that stress is, I, I even felt that, you know, holding the breath for you know, 30 seconds, you feel that like carbon dioxide tick up. So does that, you know, is there, is there something people to be mindful of in that sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we look, if we just look at the role of a mask, it's to protect oxygen coming into the body. You know, it restricts oxygen coming in that thing, like blocking it all. Fresh air isn't coming into the body and it has to go through a filter of a mask. So if we look at, if you breathe out, every time you breathe in, you breathe in oxygen. And every time you breathe out, you breathe out carbon dioxide. And so if you've got something that you're then breathing out into, which is then coming back into your inhale, you're only re-breathing the excess waste that you're getting out of your body to start with. So if you're breathing behind a mask, you're breathing in more carbon dioxide, which is a toxic, um, toxic chemical for our, our lungs. We don't work well on carbon dioxide. We can work better on it. We can build tolerance, but we really feed off oxygen, whereas trees are the opposite. You know, carbon dioxide is the fuel for trees. And so if you're in a mask all day, your carbon dioxide levels are going up. And if you don't have a greater capacity or level of tolerance that means your stress levels are going up as well and it's making your body more acidic more acid-like instead of alkaline which is more you know more oxenergized there's more oxygen in your cells and so for kids who maybe have to wear a mask right and and honestly if you want to go into that that level of depth you don't actually have to wear one it's it's fully personal consent but if you feel you're if you feel safer with a mask on at any moment, you can get away with it. I'll just be bringing the mask down below your nostrils and then I'll just be, just be breathing through my nose only. Mm. And the reason we want to breathe through our nose is it's actually there's a better transfer of oxygen into our cells, into our lungs, than there is through our mouth. And so when we breathe through our, our nose, we're actually filling up the, the tank. We're filling up our fuel tank much more efficiently than we do when we breathe through our mouth. And so a really easy way to get around the masking, obviously some people, you know, you're going to get pestered by people saying, put it over your nose as well, rah, rah, like whatever, but just whenever you can pull it down over your nose. And so that your nostrils are there and then you, your mouth's covered still and just breathe through your nose and it will help. They will find breathing through their nose is going to calm their mind. It's going to calm their heart rate. 
going to calm their emotional state. So if they're feeling anxious or nervous, it brings their, their emotional state back to a neutral level. And then you can be a bit more peaceful and a bit more calm in whatever moment you're in. So nose breathing is an absolute must when we talk about feeling better, responding better, having better energy levels, having better health. Absolutely. And, you know, just do whatever you got to do. But I, I've, this is one of those things that, from my personal experience, definitely, you know, on the times I've had to wear a mask, I've got a unique situation. I, I live by myself and I work at the gym that I own by myself. So I don't I often have to wear that. Um, but there have been times if I sit down, take a test or something, it's like it, it does. I do feel it like it's hard to breathe. I'm not thinking as clearly. So in so much as you can, like it, it sounds like what you're saying is that there's a, there's a solution in trying to you know optimize. It's not like you're you really, you know, you can you can control that state anxiety and that state presence with your breath. So that's a very powerful tool to keep in mind. Yeah, so just just quickly, if you want to make it an unnatural tool that's easy to apply, it's five seconds in, five seconds out for three breaths. So it's really easy just to get in a state. So it's five seconds in through the nose, five seconds out through the nose. This is a heart coherence breath. Mm. And then if you want to go a level deeper into more calmer states, you double your exhale. And so this is where you might want to do a four second inhale and an eight second exhale. And what happens when we double our exhales, when we lengthen our exhales, we're actually starting to release the tension out of the body and release tension out of the mind. And anyone listening can do it. You can simply just breathe in. And then whatever you breathe in, you need to double the length on the exhale. And so that's why I don't recommend breathing in like a long breath on the inhale. So if you do like a 10 second breath in, you're going to have to do a 20 second breath out. And so four second in, eight seconds out is usually pretty good for people or they do a sit three seconds in, six seconds out. And if you're in a test or you're in a, a situation that's triggered you or you feel stressed or threatened, by simply lengthening your exhales, you will feel the nervous system fully relax after a couple of breaths. And so anytime you get that emotional state start to stir up within you, that isn't serving you in the moment, just tap into your breath and just feel it. Just, just every time you're lengthening your exhales, you start to feel your mind slow down. You start to feel your body relax. Those emotions will start to dissipate. And then you can step into a, a state of clarity and actually have the ability to perform however you want to perform. That's powerful. And I can even feel myself relaxing. And I'm sure if you're listening, you feel yourself relaxing as well. Um, talk to me on the difference between uh, nasal breathing and mouth breathing. So this is one that I am in the habit of yelling at everybody that comes to my gym to stop mouth breathing. But I do know that some guys like Wim Hof, for example, who you can describe who that is, they just want people to breathe and they're not worried about the, the, the method. So, you know, do you have a particular uh, use case for nasal breathing, mouth breathing? You know, do you, how do you instruct people on that? Yeah, it's, it's really, it, it comes down to skill. And it's really dependent on the desired result. So if you desire a certain result, there's going to be a certain breathwork technique that is more effective at achieving that result. And so with someone like Wim Hof, his goal for people is to, be, is to alter their state of, of consciousness, to alter their states of chemistry. And so that's why he doesn't really care about how it's done he just wants volume of oxygen volume of breath happening 
because that ele that elevates our consciousness into a state that we're not usually like no one walks around going you know we don't we don't live at that level so that's where he wants to get people out of their norm normality hmm. and so with the wim hof breath he he ed educates people so they don't actually think too much it's more doing and so that's where the Wim Hof method is really powerful for beginners because they can alter their states of energy simply just by getting more volume of breath in because they know they've never done it before. Right. And then as you start to refine it, you can start to target different things. So as your skill as a, as a, a practicing breath work increases, you can direct the breath into your belly instead of your chest. And that's the main educate people to breathe through their nose is because the nose links straight down into the diaphragm and so you're going to get better absorption of oxygen than you will breathing into your chest so if you just breathe through your mouth and you're a chest breather shallow breather we're not actually getting oxygen down into the deeper levels of our lungs and into our diaphragm or diaphragmatic breathing and this is where like this is the gut the gut brain is connected and so if we start to influence the chemistry the oxygen transferring into the cells at a diaphragmatic level or into a deeper lung level, we have more effect in the body. And so simply by switching from a chest breath through the mouth and then now learning to put it into our belly and like expanding it like a pregnant, pregnant lady or a, a Buddha belly, like, like a little pot belly, we're actually getting more oxygen. We're filling the tank and we're getting more oxygen into the body. And so this starts to have a better effect then breathing into your chest. And then if you want to go deeper through the nose, there's more efficient transfer again from oxygen into the cells. And so it's really dependent on how you, what, what the outcome is that you want to achieve. And then also how skilled you are at breathing. And so if someone's, a, if someone's breathing through their mouth and they're always breathing into their chest, it's probably better that they, they really slow their breath work down and they focus on learning to breathe into the belly because it's just a skill or breathing through their nose, which will help them get it into their diaphragm and into their, their lungs deeper. And then once someone can breathe into their belly, really cranking up the nose or the mouth won't really matter because you can direct it to the right spots. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds to me what you're saying is that uh, it, Wim Hof has a specific method of like consciousness, and so that can be, you know, stimulating internally, so release of DMT uh, at a at a far level, but really just getting people to break that and to you know summon power within. Um, and so he uses that mouth to get them to make it simple. Uh, but from a, a day to day standpoint, the nasal breathing provides the most direct link to efficient breathing that you can then used to uh to improve your overall capacity and then as you get better and better at understanding where the air is going so you know directing it into the lungs and then that kind of belly breath that allows you the skill to then choose based off of what uh, external thing you want so really take away is unless you're doing like you know to get started just focus on the practice and the quality of the breath and sick of the nose and then as you get better then you know or you're doing specific technique then the mouth breathing can be equally as effective to help achieve that outcome does that sound about right yeah absolutely and i think about it as like revving a car so if you want to if you want to get your end so if we think about the the speedo or the speedometer the rev the revs 
uh, like the feedback on the revs on the car. If you rev the car really hard, you're going to get more energy. Like there's going to be more energy, more fuel pumped through the system. And so if we want to create more energy, that's where the Wim Hof breath is. It's very, very high energy. And so we're going to alter our chemistry in our blood and we're going to feel more energized after breathing like that. And you can do that only for 30 breaths and you'll feel a change. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you slow it down and you do really slow, deep, long breaths and more calm, we're not revving the car as hard. We won't feel as energized, but we might feel more peaceful. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then if you even then go into, you know, nose only diaphragmatic breathing. So, so really slow, long, deep nose breaths, filling the belly what's going to happen there is we're really going to calm the body we're going to calm the mind we're going to start to bring our energy levels down we're going to start to bring it back to neutral so if we're feeling nervous or anxious that's a really good technique to to relax and bring ourselves down but if we're maybe feeling tired or we're feeling depleted or sick or something we want to lift our energy that's where the Wim Hof breath or bus streaker you know breathing really fast you know Breathing like that will really ramp up our nervous system. We're like revving the car quite hard. And so it's, it's such a, man, it's like ancestral knowledge starting to blend with modern science and these scientific breakthroughs that we're having about the autonomic nervous system, the central nervous system, our immune health, our lymphatic system, our you know, cardiovascular health, all of these different things that and our ancestors knew and tribal knowledge existed you know previously in in human history is now starting to mix it with modern scientifical you know discoveries about how it actually affects our bodies at a chemical like a chemical level and so as soon as you start diving into breath work you realize it's not like a woo-woo or a hippie thing it's actually essential for us to perform better as human beings we've been blessed with lungs we've been blessed with a cardiovascular system a lymphatic system, the immune system. We've been blessed with our, our two nervous systems, you know, the central and the autonomic nervous system so that we can control our bodies better. And it's, it doesn't become this woo-woo or spiritual thing. It can if you want to go down that train, but if you just want to perform better and you just want to feel better and have more energy and have more vitality and more health, Breath work is like the most tangible thing that you can do to start working on that. And it's really important. Now I, th- I see a lot of athletes have desires and dreams to, to be at top level and, and have, have a good mindset and have, you know, proper, proper thoughts and belief and skills and abilities. And yet they're not willing to look at breath work. It's like, it's the one thing that's keeping you alive. And so if you optimize it, you're going to live at a higher level. You're going to live better, perform better, achieve more, be more peaceful, be more, have stronger, a stronger mindset and self-awareness. So yeah, man, breath work is just, it's the epitome. I think it's the first and last thing a human will ever do. So we may as well optimize it. It's funny hearing you say that because I get struck with this all the time. People talk about like, they want to get their cardio up. They want to improve their fitness. They want to be better in shape. But it's like, well, what is cardio training short for? cardiovascular training what is a cardiovascular system it's what transports oxygen to your blood and to your muscles and back it's like why would you not think that like it's funny if i wanted to get stronger 
I would lift weights. If I want to get cardio, I then go and do strength. It, it's funny that people will miss the very thing that is deriving that capacity they want. So if you, if you consider yourself to be a cardiovascular dominant athlete, or you want to continue to improve that, it sounds to me like what you're saying is that the, not the, not the last thing you should check it. The first place you check in is the breath, because that's what really drives that system. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's the Wim Hof test where you do a set of push-ups normally and you test how many push-ups you got. And then you do the round, the Wim Hof method, and then you do it again and you get more push-ups. It's crazy. And, and, you know, it, it shows you that when you get more oxygen into your, your body, into your system, you perform better. It's just like the Lamborghini. You know, you, there's no point in having a Lamborghini if the tank's empty. You may as well put the fuel in the Lamborghini and then you can actually be elite. So with our human body, we already have the vessel, already have the framework to be elite. But if we need, we need the oxygen in our bodies to be able to utilize it. We need the fuel in there. And so if someone's got desires to be an elite level performer or even, you know, even average or whatever, if you want to just perform better, you've got to put the fuel in first and you know, taking away water and food, which are necessities as well. The breath is the, the be all and end all, you know, when it comes to fueling the body. Mm -hmm. That's powerful stuff. Now the, the second quarter, I get, uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you roll back on your Australian day. It's uh, it's night for me. It's morning for him. So it's the uh, beautiful time. What what are your thoughts? Obviously, hand in hand with this, and as a really good, either just as a tool to help people understand their breath, or just as a standalone instrument, is this idea of cold exposure. So, you know, why on earth would someone go and be cold if they don't have to? Right? You know, like how do you play around with that? And what does that look like? What are the benefits for somebody to add that in? Yeah, man, there's so many benefits. So it, it really depends on what benefits drive you. Okay. Because, you know, there's what, the what are the possible benefits, I guess. Let's look at the menu first. Yeah. So the for me, the metaphysical is always quite large. You know, it, it, that's a big driver for me is like, how, how do I perform in life? And the ice bath or a cold water, a cold shower or a cold bath or whatever it is, is like the, the, the analogy for life, you know, it's the challenge. Mm -hmm. The challenge is right there. It never gets warmer. You know, if you put ice in a bath, it's not going to be like, Oh, you know what? I'll give you a, I'll give you a day off. It's going to, I'll make myself warm. So this one's easy. Like it's always cold. I mean, ice is always 32 degree Fahrenheit, zero degrees Celsius. That's crazy. Yeah. And so every time you turn up to an ice bath, you, you can expect a challenge. Like it's not going to take it easy on you. So that as a metaphysical growth for me is like, if I learn to overcome that challenge better, if I, if I can become more calm in that situation, then it's going to serve me in stressful events outside of the ice bath. You know, maybe it's a disagreement with someone, maybe it's a, a challenge in my personal life. Maybe it's an emotional challenge. Maybe it's a challenge in business. Maybe it's a challenge in competition. Who knows when the challenge will arise, but I want to be able to keep, keep myself calm when a stressful event pops up. So the ice bath for me is, is the metaphor for life. By, by learning to sit in there and not be freaked out, <laughs> I can't. I want to sit in that ice bath and be completely present, be completely calm, and be able to, to slow my mind 
so that I can think and respond in a better way. And so that's the metaphysical side of why people should, should do this cold water exposure is it gives you that opportunity and it's, and it's quite effect, effective as well. Like you could go and sit in a sauna, a hot sauna for 45 minutes to an hour and you're going to also get that challenge of physical adversity and mental adversity. And, but that's, that's like 45 minutes to an hour. A cold bath you can do in two or three minutes. So it's a really effective practice to, to check in with yourself about how you're responding to stress. And then if we go to you know, the physical benefits, well, it, it helps, burn brown, uh, helps burn white fat and turns white fat into brown fat, which is the fat that we keeps us healthy in our body. So it's like supports our immune health, supports our organ health, helps us, you know, burn the excess fat that we have on our body. And so for someone who's looking to get, you know, leaner or healthier internally with their visceral fat, so the fat that surrounds their organs, which can help us, you know, which can make us really sick, you know, with, with chronic and, and lifestyle diseases. By doing an ice bath, you're going to burn that fat for up to six hours after. Mm-hmm. And so just a three-minute ice bath gives you a six-hour burning of fat. And so there's, there's all, also those, you know, benefits around health, cardiovascular-wise, it's going to help blood flow. So as soon as you sit in the cold water, all the blood flow goes straight to your organs, so around your diaphragm to protect your heart, protect your liver, protect your lungs, all of this. And then as you get out, all the blood starts flowing back through the body. And so we get this like massive uplift and upregulation of our blood flow in our bodies. And it helps with inflammation, helps with you know healing tissues and clearing the lymphatic system. So all the toxins and stuff, you know, leave our bodies. And then, you know, if you look at an immune point of view for our sickness and, and keeping our immune health really high, it stimulates our immune health. And so when we sit in the, the ice bath, our, our immune system goes, okay, it's survival mode, go kick in. We've got to be strong here. And it kicks that immune right up. And so our immunity is going to increase. It's just, there's, there is just an endless amount of benefits to it. But people, they allow the fear of the cold to hold them back from all of these amazing results they can have in their body by simply just turning up for themselves, meeting the challenge with possibility and sitting in a cold, like you're not going to die. You're not going to get hypothermia. It's, you're literally just training your mind and body to be stronger. And so, you know, two to three minutes a day or two to three minutes a week, even once a week, you're going to get massive, massive results in your health, massive results in your mind, and massive results in your body as well, your, your ability to, to withstand stress and, and perform at a high level. So, man, the cold water exposure along with the breath work has been the most profound practice that I've helped people learn. And the, this, the feedback that I get with people, you know, once I conquer the ice bath, I feel so much more capable at life. You know, people tell me, oh, man, I was so scared of it. But as soon as I got out, I was so full of energy and, you know, passion and purpose and capability and I felt I felt really strong within myself I felt really healthy I felt really vital you know I felt that I can overcome these emotions or challenges that I'm having in my life just by sitting in a bath like that and you know they're so thankful for the result it just reaffirms to me how powerful the practice is so yeah and I think the one thing that I've noticed that I don't know if you mentioned but the sleep is like transformed like I have 
do you have any science to speak on that? Because I've no, I've been doing this for like four or five years in terms of cold exposure, and like this, I, I, there's a difference. I sleep like, like a baby when I do, and when I don't, it's a problem. Yeah, I guess it comes back up. So I'm not sure on the exact science, but I think it would have to do something with the parasympathetic mm. and sympathetic nervous system. And so practicing the ice bath often teaches you to tap into the parasympathetic because if you stay in a stressful state in the bath, if you're like switched on, what's going to happen is when you get out of the bath, you get this like negative effect of, you know, sympathetic state or a stress state. And so getting better at ice baths, being able to sit in that parasympathetic state and allow yourself to be calm under that stressful environment, your body learns to deal with stress better which is then going to help, you know, regulate stress throughout the day. And so when it comes to sleeping, you're actually in a more uh, calmer state or lower levels of stress, which then helps you drop into a deeper state of sleep. And so I'm not quite clear on the, on the science behind that, but I'm sure it's something to do from my learning. I'm sure it's something to do with the, the parasympathetic state. Mm -hmm. And for, and for those who don't know what the big word you just said is parasympathetic is uh, rest and digest nervous system. So it's the calming down. And the sympathetic is the fight or flight, the stress response. So, all right, well, that's powerful. Um, so if someone doesn't have access to a cold bath or cold shower right away, uh, or sorry, cold bath, like an ice bath or something, how close can they approximate that with like a cold shower? Well, the cold shower is obviously in winter. It's, it's a lot harder. <laughs> it always gets more challenging. Each winter rolls around and you've got to overcome your mind every time you get in the shower in the morning, turn that cold on and take the challenge on the day. So I think starting with cold showers is incredible practice. You know, start with 10 seconds at the end and, you know, then start with 30 seconds, then go to 40 seconds, 50 seconds, a minute. You know, what you want to eventually get to a point where you don't have to use a hot shower. You know, you actually love the cold showers. You know, I, I, I actually feel uncomfortable in the hot now. <laughs> it's kind of like a bit yuck. So I, I absolutely thrive in a cold shower. I love it. Every morning, my nervous system goes, time to, to get pumped up. And so, yeah, starting with the cold shower is absolutely one of the best ways to introduce cold water therapy into your day. And everyone's got access to a shower, I believe, on this call. So, you know, we start hope. with <laughs> start with a cold shower yeah and and slow your breathing down so as you as you turn the cold shower on you want to take a big breath in and then just lengthen that exhale so it's big breath relax on the exhale you don't want to start puffing and puffing and because <laughs> you know you're just going to put yourself in that stress state so you want to breathe in let go and you'll start to find five or ten breaths in your body starts to relax and you start to feel the benefits of the cold. Mm -hmm. The, uh, and one, and you can correct me if I get these wrong. Um, part, part of the, the mental part is realizing that like something that was, your body is very sensitive to anything that's going to cause a pain or damage. And at first there's something the cold feels like it's hurting. It feels like pain, but once you can sit in there and you can tell yourself that I'm actually, there's no, I'm not hurting myself at all. You can start to dissociate that sensitivity and that pain from that experience. And then you can de-emotionalize it. Um, and one thing I've heard is that with cold exposure, it doesn't get better. It actually is worse if you are slow and timid getting into it. Like you slowly kind of make it colder. Like if you just jump in or go, like if you got a cold, just step into it. 
your body actually adapts a lot better to it. So instead of kind of building up, like, oh, God, I'm going to do this and, and sitting and thinking about it and pining about it, it's going to be much worse. And instead, just go straight in there and do that. Um, and then one note, uh, and I'd be interested to hear if, if I get this wrong, but I uh, learned some of the stuff from Angie Huberman talking about how your body is changing temperature. It's going up or down throughout the day. And so starting your, your temperature minimum, which is about on average two hours before your normal waking time, it, that's your temperature minimum. And then it's raising throughout the rest of the day until like that late afternoon, evening. So about two hours before you know, sunset or sorry, two hours before bedtime, that's your temperature peak. So the cold, what happens if you get in the cold exposure, your body then has a rebound effect of warming you up. And so that can be good in the morning, both as a neuro or a psychological shock, but also as to help increase that temperature warming. So get your body moving and going. And if you do the cold shower too late at night, you can have the rebound effect. So you've gotten a cold and then it warms up when your body is trying to cool down. So um, that that's the one thing I've, I've heard or thought about, like if you do it, I, I would try to stay away from doing it within like two hours of bedtime. But in general, like that, there's the rebound effect of getting you to calm down. So you can get the benefit, but you're probably not going to want to go to bed right after being in a cold shower. Does that sound about right from your experience? I would have to look into that deeper because from my experience, I actually read some research that said dropping your body temperature by 10 degrees will actually improve your sleep. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I'm just, I think it's, if you're not, um, and this is some, I've heard of that too. And I've always, cause I've taken showers too. Yeah. Because I, I cold shower before bed and I yeah. sleep on absolute rock. And, and same for me. I'm, that's why I was asking the expert over here. That's what I've heard is I, I'm it makes more sense <laughs> You're also getting that from, also, also sure. getting that from Dan Huberman, who is literally the expert. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where like from a, from a uh, pragmatic standpoint, that makes sense. Like, Oh, your body's trying to cool down. So you wouldn't want to warm up. I think that's one of those extreme things. Like if you go in there and you, you know, there's a certain point where it's going down. I think that's one of those stuff where people get too logistical and they're worried about the stuff. I have never had a problem with it. Like I, I, I will say like, if I take a cold shower, I generally feel more awake for a good 30, 40 minutes afterwards. So like, I don't go take a cold shower and then go hop in bed, but the, I, the, the taking a cold shower and, and again, it doesn't have to be long, but even just like you take a normal shower and at the very end, you flip it over to cold for 10, 15, 20 seconds. I have noticed a huge benefit switching from, like 20 seconds to three minutes and you don't have to do that long, but man, the sleep is so much better. It is so much better. It is that, yeah, it's powerful. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave it, I guess, uh, the jury is out, but from both of our experiences, it doesn't tend to negatively affect your sleep at night and, uh, let that be your own anecdotal experience. You can figure that out, but in general sleep with a cold shower equals good sleep. So, uh, two more questions for you. One, um, so you mentioned Wim Hof a little bit more, uh, any, any, uh, short, this can be a Twitter summary, any background of that is, would he be a good resource for someone who wants to learn more? Cause I know he's got some courses and stuff online. Like what, what's your opinion on that for someone that's, let's say they're, you know, trying to explore this health thing and figure out how to take more ownership of this, but want some more guidance of it. Yeah. I think Wim Hof is potentially the most influential human that we'll see in our lifetime. So you're not biased at all here. <laughs> not biased at all just just the work that he's done to evolve the way science thought about 
the autonomic nervous system and, and the way they thought about, you know, this was written in text, scientific, you know, scientific textbooks saying that we couldn't control the autonomic nervous system. We couldn't control our temperature. We couldn't control our mind to that level of degree. And he kind of like blended that, you know, that monk mentality, how monks can like put swords through them and their guts and all that, you know, all that stuff that, you know, sit on fire and sit on a bed of nails and do all that stuff that's like very Eastern. And Wim Hof has brought it into the Western world. It's like, no, you can absolutely control this, this level of your mind if you do enough work. And so they've now tested him and done all like the research on him. And he's like, they, they injected him with E. coli, which is like, makes you sick and, and vomit and get a fever and stuff within like 10 minutes. They injected it into his body and then they were testing him. And, and just with his breathing technique and his mind, he cleared, his immune system cleared the sickness out of his, his body. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're just a special man, William, you're a superhero. And he said, no, I'll teach people to do this. Give me 12 days and I'll teach them and then we'll do the test. And so he taught a, a random batch of people to do it with the breath technique and then they did the same thing. And so it's really shown humans that by learning this breath technique, you can become, you are in control of your own body. You're in control of your own immune system, your own cardio, all of this stuff, you know, that we once thought, you know, we probably don't have much control over. And so for me, for beginners, it's an absolute start point that's very easy to do. It's free. You just go on YouTube, you look up guided, guided Wim Hof technique and, and make sure you find the one from Wim Hof himself. It's got millions of views. It's, it's so, so, uh, so well used and it's got like a countdown. It teaches, he teaches you how to breathe. So it's actually teaching you through the breath. You literally just play it. It's only 10 minutes. And it's going to help you get into a more energized state, a more calm state, more peaceful, you know, more clarity. All of this stuff happens after this 10, 10 minute breath work. And so that's where I direct all my clients and anyone who talks to me on Instagram or socials, which just go straight to that guided Wim Hof technique for 10 minutes, start practicing that. It's a really good challenge to do it every day for a month. And so you get like a really great introductory month to breath work. And then from there, if you wanted to go further with Wim Hof stuff, you can do his, he's got a free app and you can learn about, you know, all these different things that Wim does. You can also go into his fundamentals course, which is a, a 10, 10, uh, it's like a 10, I guess you could do it in 10 weeks, but it's a 10 module course where you work through 10 different steps of the Wim Hof method. And he teaches you about, you know, your immune health, your energy, your mind your body and it's, it's pretty pretty amazing and so yeah for me i do think he is one of the most influential because he's made it he's made it accessible to people without being woo woo or without being too monk-like or meditative or spiritual even because i know that's a block for people so it's instead it's like let's just get more energy into our bodies like do you want more energy if you could live on that feeling of like having 10 coffees a day and being really calm at the same time wouldn't you want that? You know, that's what breath work for me does. It's like feeling caffeinated, but not jittery feeling like I've had a coffee, but feeling really peaceful at the same time. And, and that's really empowering for people who are living, you know, maybe depressed or anxious, or they're feeling low in energy, feeling incapable. It's like get into those states, those higher vibrations of energy, and you're going to do much more in your life. And so yeah, Wim Hof's Wim Hof's certainly a great place to start. So head to YouTube, find his 10 minute tutorial. It's called guided Wim Hof breathing. 
and yeah, enjoy it. You heard it from the man himself. Um, and then for people who like to read books, I've read uh, James Nestor's uh, Breath. James Nestor is a journalist that uh, basically studied and pulled together a lot of research on it. But I also have in hindsight since then learned about um, Patrick McEwen, who seems to be an OG in the breath space. He does The Oxygen Advantage. You read either of those or studied either of those? I've listened to Breathe or Breath, the audio. And I've also listened to a lot of Patrick, but I haven't read the books. Okay, well... Uh, so if you if you are looking for books per se kind of on the topic and, and how your face and your breathing and mouth and all this stuff have impacts your physiology um we're undecided but it seems that both of those would be good options because both of those guys well patrick McEwen has been doing this stuff for decades james Nestor is a journalist and so the different perspectives but they're both very valuable in terms of learning this for yourself um well yeah man, advantage is an incredible course I didn't realize it was a course too. Sorry. Yeah. That's uh yeah, he teaches it as a course and you can become an oxygen advantage instructor. And there's a lot of the nasal breathing and performance breathing in that CO2 tolerance. And then, yeah, James Nestor stuff's epic. I love that perspective. It's a really, really great insight into it really kind of opens your mind up to, yeah. to what we're looking at. So the, I do this. I don't know if you do this. Do you tape your mouth at night when you sleep? Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. All right. So uh, at the last thing as our parting gift for, uh, for the audience, explain the benefits of why you would want to tape your mouth shut at night. <laughs> so if we go back to those two big words, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, if we think about the sympathetic nervous system as being in a stress state. So if we're, you know, think about ready for a fight or having to run away from a tiger or, something stressful, that's your sympathetic nervous system. Your parasympathetic is when you're kicking back, having a pina colada, eating some nice food, relaxing, you know, super, super, you know, de-stressing your life. So rest and digest. Now, when we breathe through our mouth, we usually sympathize, well, we do create a sympathetic response. So it's like an energized or a switching on of our nervous system. And when we breathe through our nose, we switch on the parasympathetic, which is the relaxing nervous system. So what we're looking at is when you tape your mouth, if you cover your mouth at night, you're going into a rest and digest state. You're going into a, a state that's, that's low in stress, that's relaxing, that helps your body fully switch off. But if you go through the night breathing through your mouth, you're actually never switching off your nervous system you might close your eyes and you might be in a sleep state but by breathing through your mouth you're keeping your body in a switched on sympathetic stressful response it's ready to go and when we look at the recovery levels being in a parasympathetic state is going to increase all of the benefits of sleep tenfold you know so much more is going to be profound shifts by breathing through our nose only not only will you sleep deeper You'll feel more energized when you wake up. You'll feel like you have more abundance. You'll have more vitality. You'll be electric. And that's simply by putting some tape over your mouth. And it sounds very weird at the start. You're like, Why would you cover your mouth? But then when you feel it, when you actually try it, it's very, very beneficial. And, and I've, I've taped my mouth every single night for years now. To the point now, if I don't have it, I find myself either snoring or I find myself waking up to go to the toilet. Yeah, you know, it's just I 
have disturbed sleep. And, and to be clear, because people hear that, well, so I don't want to start that because I'll have disturbed sleep if I stop it. You're already probably having disturbed sleep. You just take it for granted that you wake up and you're thirsty. You wake up after you go to the bathroom. You wake up and you're snoring or you're drooling. You're already doing that. This stops you from doing that, and it becomes a reinforcing. So, I think the simple point is that people are say, "Well, I breathe through my mouth, or I breathe through my nose when I sleep." I'm like, "How do you know you're asleep?" This basically works as an insurance policy to make sure you do. And it uh, there are you can go and look this up. I know it sounds weird. But I've done it for over a year now as well. It's like the anecdotes and they don't have an empirical, there's no uh, incentive to do uh, randomized control trials on this because what company is going to make money off of, you know, some cheap athletic tape, like any tape works, but whatever's most comfortable for you. I use a little bit of athletic tape. Um, there's no money to be made on that. So I'm not going to go sell that when they could sell you a CPAP machine for your snoring, but you know, they, like there is boundless anecdotal evidence about how this works and can transform the stuff. So you know, if there's one pro tip you take away from this, I mean, of, of the many, many gems that Jordan has uh, blessed us with, tape your mouth when you go to bed at night, I promise you. And if you're doing it and you feel weird, put it on for a few minutes while you're walking around reading a book and you get used to it. And if you feel like you're short of breath and you don't have enough oxygen, a lot of that comes from you probably mouth breathe through the day. Your nasal passages have shrunk because you're not using them. And so you can have some of that. That's has nothing to do with the oxygenation in your blood. You're just having higher carbon dioxide. And correct me if I'm wrong, but your body is, unless you have some type of uh, like, let's say injury to your body from smoking cigarettes or something that you know impairs your circulation, you're generally 98 to 99% fully oxygenated in your blood at all times. Am I correct in that? So even that rising carbon dioxide is not, that's, doesn't mean you're suffocating, right? It's, it's. We have, we have a very large volume of oxygen readily available to us at any moment. That's why people can do massive, massive breath holds underwater by simply, it's just that we never really push that limit. And so when you go, when you learn to do breath hold training, you're actually learning to, to tap into that res, residual volume that we have. It's just a day to day. We don't, we, we, so we, we rely on the breaths coming in and out of our, our nose or our mouth. Whereas we have so much oxygen in our cells. That's powerful. So, and that, that makes sense. Cause if you see those guys that do and, and ladies that do the deep breath holds and deep sea diving, it's not that their lungs are four times bigger than yours. It's just, they have maybe four or five times more carbon dioxide tolerance in their blood than you do or maybe 10 or 20 times. Right. So you know, if you feel that kind of panic coming up, remember, part of that is getting used to it and kind of giving yourself the time to ease into it. But that is generally saying you've got a Toyota Corolla of, a, of lungs as opposed to uh, a Ferrari or, or Porsche. I don't know what kind of nice cars they have down in Australia, but, you know, figure it out. Well, at the risk of taking more and more of your time, because you're just a fascinating wealth of knowledge. Uh, where can people find you, reach out to you? I mean, what, is, what does that look like for you? Oh, so Australia. Yeah, so they can follow me on uh, either Instagram, which is just at my personal handle, which is Jordan Potts, J-O-R-D-A-N-P-O-T-T-S underscore at the end. Double T is not, that's T-T, so it's not Australian for a different, they don't have a different alphabet on there. J-O-R-D-A-N-P-O-T-T-S underscore. So classic. Or they can follow my business, which is Exalto Holistic Hub. And so there's lots of tips and stuff on there as well. Reach out to me on either of those and yeah, look out for some online breath work that's coming. If you're interested in doing that, 
we I have been requested to do some online breath training uh, a lot lately. So we're just looking at how to best deliver that over Zoom and, and get the quality of the sound and everything there. But yeah, super excited to to dive into that market. So yeah, follow us along and shoot That's- us a message if you want to have any chats. Oh, and please, please do. This guy is a legend. I mean, he's been doing this for years now. And Exalto is E-X-A-L-T-O. It's holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, and then club, right? Um, hub. Hub, hub, H-U-B. I'll put the, the links of this in the show notes. But in um, any of the stuff you do uh, in terms of like leading it on, if you put that video of you passing out or you're doing the breath holds, <laughs> that'll catch everybody's attention. That'll go viral for sure. Um, and I, I may or may not be able to sneak a link into that at some point. Uh, but so check the show notes for that. But thank you so much for doing this. I mean, this is fantastic. And I'm just like, I learned a ton just doing this. And this is something I, I thought I knew a lot about, but getting to spend time with a real master is something else. So um, any, uh, any other questions, thoughts you have for the audience? Any, any parting wisdom you'd like them to care for? Uh, my only parting wisdom would be to breathe. Beautiful. Well said. All right. We'll talk soon and I appreciate your time. All right. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and I'll talk to you soon.